I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up and share a recommendation of something we've really enjoyed recently. And then we go on to discuss a topic that we feel is really relevant to the things that are going on right now. These are often the sort of things that a lot of people are probably thinking about, but aren't necessarily having the conversation about. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review because it makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. So how you doing, my love? I'm good. I survived the storm. I feel like that's oh, all everyone's God. talking about. And obviously, because we always chat about the weather, we have to start with the storm. <laughs> of course. Um, anyone here in the UK, we've had Storm Eunice with us for a couple of days. And I mean, she's caused chaos, frankly. Like, actually, it's, it's really bad. Like, some people have lost their lives. But um, thankfully, it wasn't as bad for us. Whereabouts? How was it for you? Because I feel like the Midlands was meant to be like, okay. It wasn't, I mean, it was just windy and rainy. Um, There's been like a few trees that have gone down, but nothing like, not like it was in the south or really far up north. But I feel like it's just carried, I think it's actually a different storm now because it's still howling gale and raining outside. If you can hear it, I'm very sorry. Um, But yeah, I think it's another storm now. I think it's Storm Franklin now, isn't it? I mean, we've had them all. It's only the, it's only February and we've already had what three or four huge storms this year. Like, I'm praying for a nice summer. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. Um, how are you doing now? What have you been up to? Good, thanks, love. Um, not done an awful amount because of said storm, but mm. over the past like couple of weeks, we've had like a lot of family time. We've got that like, we have a lot of birthdays in February. Like, I think we have one at least one a week every week in February. But it's oh just God. meant that we've spent a lot of time recently, like with family, seeing extended family to celebrate. And do you know what? It's been so nice. And I think because it's like we've always said, like we like this time of year because we get to celebrate so many things with family. And obviously for the past couple of years, that's been a little bit tricky. Um, so it's just been really nice to do that sort of thing again this year and just, yeah, see people and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, that is so nice. And also this time of year as well, when the weather is a bit crap it's nice to have things yeah. like that to look forward to and like actually something to celebrate totally like it's really wholesome um mm. and it's just been nice to catch up with people and like discuss the latest wordle um which <laughs> is like my latest obsession and I'm not I'm, I'm okay at it but like I mean I'm learning a lot of new words <laughs> oh my god I'm, I either get it on like the second row or I don't get it, it yeah I seem to yeah. I seem to have no in between <laughs> And every, like on some days, like my brain is just in gear and I can smash it in a few minutes. And other days I'm looking at it and I'm like, there are no words in the English language that have the, to a point where, like, you know, if you put in a word that isn't a real word, it comes up saying this word is not in the list, which I think is a very diplomatic way of saying you're making words up. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that very frequently. Because <laughs> I'm like, maybe there is a word that goes like F-F-G-L-M. <laughs> So it's been testing my English skills. But yeah, um, do you want to share your recommendation for the week? Yeah, so my recommendation is a book. It's Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. Ooh. And you've probably heard of it if you've not read yeah. it because everyone has been on the hype about it. And it was one of those things, I was like, God, everyone's talking about it and I don't want it to be overhyped and me not enjoy it. And also... 
as we've discussed before, because it's kind of like a domestic setting, not really a fan of those like domestic style books. Mm. Um, but once I got into it, and it didn't take me too long to get into it, maybe like 50 pages, it is the writing is incredible. So it's told from the point of view of Martha, who she's telling the story retrospectively um, after she, her and her husband have split up. And throughout the story, you're aware that she has mental health issues and you don't know what, but she is absolutely like the queen of self-sabotage, but she's also incredibly intelligent and she's incredibly aware that she's done it. Like afterwards, her reflections on it are like, painful and so like insightful into how the human mind works and all those feelings Mm. of like guilt and shame and how other people see you but she just she can't help herself from doing these things and like treating her husband awfully even though she can't help it and she doesn't realize it and he just absolutely like loves her so much um and kind of towards the end of the book you she gets a diagnosis and the diagnosis is blanked out and at first I was like oh my god like what is it because she's horrified like she is distraught by this diagnosis and I'm like what on earth is the diagnosis and then at the end there is a note from the author and it is I was like how did I not see this but it is such a clever way of like not shoehorning sort one person's experience of mental illness into like a certain experience because obviously so many people experience mental health issues and they present so differently for different people and I think it was a really she she said she didn't want to badly describe someone's experience or diminish it and I think that's so powerful but the way she writes honestly like it it's absolutely beautiful and it is a really incredible book it is heavy at times I will say there's a lot of like heavier bits but there's also there were points where I was literally laughing out loud, like tears running down my cheeks just because of like, I don't know, just how quirky, like the way her mind works and just the the real like sarcasm and like dry wit of the things that she comes out with mm. because she's just also so intelligent. Um, <laughs> I really recommend giving it a read. Um, yeah, it is a fantastically written book and I do think it's been worthy of the hype. That's really interesting because, because I've, I've heard so much about it and the reason I haven't read it is because everyone said oh it's quite an intense book it is um and I was like oh I'm not I'm not sure I'm like quite in that zone right now I love the fact that she blanked out the diagnosis I think that's so interesting as well because it also stops you bringing your preconceived ideas of what a what x mental illness means like what this mm-hmm. diagnosis means in terms of like how someone will behave I love that as like a um writing tool and that's brilliant and every everyone I've spoken to who's read this book has said the same thing like the writing is absolutely beautiful and just so clever um Mm. so it's on the list maybe not one for the next couple of weeks but it definitely is on the list soon because I know we've spoken so many times about one specifically books I feel like less so with films and tv shows because you've invest less time but with a book if it's really really like really really hyped but it us are a mm. bit like, mm. and yeah, is it, it really is that a bit good? heavy? Like you just got to be in the right mind frame as well. So mm. yeah, List. definitely recommend. Um, what's your recommendation this week? So mine's a little bit left 
field and I've kind of um, not been sure whether to recommend it because I think it's quite niche but it is the first Monday in May which is a Netflix documentary and it focuses on the Met their fashion um, and costume department and specifically the Met Gala so it's filmed in 2000 and I want to say 17 maybe 18 and it's um, the year they had the China Through the Looking Glass, I think it was called, um, exhibition. And mm. it starts kind of like beginning of the year and it tracks them all the way up until the Met Gala. It's the year where Rihanna performs and she wears that iconic yellow dress, um, mm. which I'm sure everyone remembers. And it, it is very niche. Like if you enjoy fashion and you enjoy high fashion and you will love it. Like if you find the inner workings of people like Anna Wintour interesting and I find her fascinating, then you will love it because she's very, very heavily involved. But they also touch on things like um, why there's been such a stigma around that department at the Met and why they struggled to get funding and how fashion is still seen as a frivolous female pursuit when actually especially when you're looking at high fashion so much of it is art it's just art you can wear and the level of detail in these exhibitions are considerations that are taken to make sure that they don't feel gimmicky or um, that it is really a work of cultural appreciation and appropriation is fascinating that the behind the scenes of like these people who work on putting together these um, these collections and repairing things and like like some of the items are iconic from the fashion industry they use a lot of um, John Galliano's collection for Dior that he did in the early noughties shortly before he was removed from Dior um, and they actually interview him in it and I knew he'd kind of been dismissed from Dior and I didn't put two and two together as to why um, until this documentary and I was like oh my god of course it was because some people might remember in the early noughties there were he behaved in a way that was like outright pretty much as outright anti-semitic and racist um and Dior dismissed him very quickly and he touches on that but his perspective is very like I don't condone his perspective but it's interesting to him talk about it and then talk about his work and the impact it's had on his work and almost that like victim mentality of like I was shunned from the industry and I was like mm, yeah but also like that's not okay mm. but they tackle a lot of these things head on and there's a lot about Anna Wintour and the thing that I think you'd really find interesting as well is they discuss with Anna Wintour and they have a few different people from the industry comment on this as well saying her reputation would be so different if she were a man and mm. It's not saying that she's easy to work for a lovely, cuddly human being, but how much of the persona she's created is exactly that a persona to protect herself and her family and her personal life, but how the criticism she gets for how she behaves would not be there if she were a man. I think it's so interesting. They actually also very briefly touch on the Devil Wears Prada with her and her response is oh so God. interesting really interesting I was literally like, just thinking that like all I know about this kind of thing is Devil Wears Prada and it's not even real like, well it's well it it's very loosely based it's one of her ex-assistants she wrote the book um so there's always been that thing of like oh my god are you Miranda Priestley type thing um mm. 
but the way she deals with the questioning is extremely interesting and I was like oh god like I just I really admire her I don't condone everything she does but I do admire her as a businesswoman and a woman in publishing and particularly a woman in the fashion industry um, and I think if you are someone who has any interest in any of those go and watch the documentary um we are now I say we I specifically am now planning our trip to New York whenever we eventually go around making sure that the Met's um costume department exhibition will be open when we go um but yeah I just it was a really interesting insight into a world that I find fascinating but don't have a lot of knowledge of um and you don't have to have intricate knowledge of the fashion industry in order to appreciate it I think if you do you're it will obviously add to that but it's quite an accessible fashion documentary it doesn't feel like um a gimmick I would be interested to watch that because although it's not like what I'm specifically interested in I do love those kind of behind the scenes documentaries especially when it does Mm. go that bit deeper and like you said there's that kind of angle of talking to Anna Winter and asking well like addressing how like she's positioned in the industry as a woman I think that's really interesting Mm. that they've decided to tackle that as well and I wish I wish it was kind of a series of other similar documentaries because I think it would be a brilliant series um but if you're a bit of a fashion geek I think there'll be things that you appreciate. Like we, when we were in Paris of the week, I will never shop up Paris, sorry everyone. Um, but we went to Galleries Lafayette and we were walking, they have now like a vintage section in Galleries Lafayette, which I think is brilliant. Um, and it's like old designs, like I say old, they're like 15 plus years old, um, but they're iconic designs. And I was kind of saying to her, I was like, look at this bag, everything on here is hand stitched. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Like that, that is cool. If you find that sort of thing interesting, you will love the behind the scenes of this documentary because they literally have people like reattaching like the tiniest sequins. And honestly, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, it's on Netflix. And if you want huge fashion, I would say it's brilliant background watching. Hmm, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to keep an eye out for more things like that on Netflix because I never watch fashion documentaries. I don't know why, like it's just not an area of documentaries that I watch um but yeah anyone has any more recommendations of like fashion industry documentaries please like let me know because I'm now I want to do a deep dive into these so this week we're chatting about prioritizing happiness because honestly I feel like it's often at the bottom of all of our to-do lists when we're working when we're looking after family or children dealing with our responsibilities whether that's at work or outside of work and when we were like planning for this episode, I thought, how often do you actually just pause for a second and ask if you're prioritizing your own happiness? And like, I'm not talking like just massive big things. I'm talking like the day to day, smaller things. Like how often do we actually pause and really think about that? Because I feel like it's really not as often as it should be. Yeah, I think that's especially recently we've all become quite conditioned to think for the people and put their needs first and I don't think there's anything wrong with being considerate and aware of other people and their needs but it's about prioritizing isn't it like we'll prioritize so many things in our life to ensure health and our mental well-being but actually happiness is so 
important, especially when it's happiness that isn't at the expense of someone else. So if it's just happiness that will just benefit you and won't harm anyone, um, I think we could all do the prioritizing that a bit more because it's it it's all about being happy at the end of the day. Like life is so much better when you feel happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think it when you when you think about happiness and leading a life of happiness that you want, I'm I don't we're not talking about quitting your job and moving to the Seychelles or although that would be really nice and if that's what makes you happy then like (laughs) absolutely if it's within your means then go for it but I think we really underestimate the power that we have to kind of cultivate happiness even in like smaller areas of our day-to-day life like could be following a hobby like playing a sport or a crafting class or yoga or meeting up with friends and enjoying your favorite coffee I think there's so many small ways that you can incorporate happiness but I think you're right when you say it's about prioritizing there's like how often are you actually prioritizing you Mm. and I think it's also about understanding what it is that makes you happy because and Mm -hmm. on different levels because there are different levels of happiness like there's often Oh, yeah. the happiness of like your day, like your whole life like are you happy with your life you kind of in love with your life as it were and then there's the level of like the feeling like the emotion of happy day to day because we can't all be happy all the time and I think um there's a danger of it almost leaning into that toxic positivity mindset mm. but there's a middle ground where it's the day-to-day things that just enhance your life and make it a little bit better like you said it might be going for coffee it might be that um whenever like I don't know I know a lot of us are having to go back into offices now which there's there's a lot of that that's great but like the early wake-up calls and walking to a train station in the rain I'm not enjoying that but Mm. on those days it's like okay I know that treating myself to a really nice coffee that I wouldn't normally have at home will spark a bit of happiness and it's those little things I think that allow you to enjoy it a bit more and when you start embracing the little ways to make you happy I think it becomes much easier and a much more natural I guess actually maybe not easier but it's more natural to start prioritizing your happiness on a much bigger scale of like your life Mm -hmm. generally and what is important to you and understanding what is important to you yeah I think when you're speaking about the bigger things as well that like happiness yeah you can just feel it on the day-to-day and it's just at its core it's like a, a simple emotion are you happy like yes or no but I feel like there's a lot of other feelings and emotions that can go into happiness too that play a big part mm. in those kind of mm. bigger aspects of life like fulfillment do you fu- feel fulfilled yes. by what you do the people around you do you feel like supported do you feel proud of what you do do you look forward to your day-to-day activities and I think it's important to say like everyone's idea of happiness is so so different don't compare what your idea of happiness is to someone else's but I do think it's important to have that self-awareness of what is it that makes you feel happy what is it that you want to prioritize and aim for in your life that will make you feel fulfilled and or whatever it is that's important to you I think especially as we get older I think having that awareness is so important because as cliche as it sounds we only have one life and I don't want to reach 80 and think god I wish I'd figured that out sooner and done that because it made me really happy like yeah life goes so quickly and 
that's why I think it is important to figure that out and find out what happiness is for you. And I think that comes along with that realization that your happiness is your responsibility and no one else is going to be able to make you happy in the long term, I guess, like not in a dismissive way of partners or friends or family, but like at the end of the day, if I'm waking up every day or you're waking up every day and we're not happy, we're the ones who have to kind of reassess and work out why that is. And Mm. I think when you realize that and realize it's an inside job, like other people can positively influence you and make you feel happy in the short term, but the long term, like those moments when you're on your own and you're not sure how you feel to get to those feeling like lighter and happier, you need to do the work and you need to work on having a clear idea of what it is that really does make you happy. And that might be completely at odds at like to societal norms. It might be that you have a different way of working you prioritize different things in your family life you might not you might say you don't even want a family which is also totally fine um it might be prioritizing travel or prioritizing hobbies whatever it is you've got to work that out and take ownership over that and I think when you do that as well it does become easier to prioritize happiness because you're more focused and you have a much clearer idea of what it is that you want to like what point you want to reach Oh God, you worded that so much better than me because I've been trying to think about the right way to say like you you need to be happy like alone and on your own and be happy with that. But obviously I'm not saying you should only ever, ever be happy on your own because obviously your partner, your friends, your family, like they can all play massive roles in, in your happiness. Mm. But I do mm. totally agree that you you're the only one in control of making yeah it's about yeah being in control of making those changes if there are areas that you're unhappy it's not your partner's responsibility or your friend's responsibility like obviously they can be supportive but at the end of the day that's that is on you and I think especially what you're saying there about those those bigger things like it's it's okay not to want to have kids and or if you don't want to get married or any of those kind of things you've made a conscious decision because you know you will be happier in whether with or without any of those things and I think that's a really important comment to say about Mm. not sacrificing your own happiness at the at the expense of like society's expectations because I do feel like that's a really massive part of people will sacrifice what actually makes them happy because they think they should do what they're like air quotes supposed to do And at the end of the day, you're the only one who's inside your head. You're the only one who, when you go to bed at night and you're lying there falling asleep, sure, you might think that society are judging you for the way you live your life, but in the nicest possible way, no one cares. But Mm. if you're not happy, you experience that. No one else is going to sleep. They're just worried about their own happiness and their own life. No one else is actually really judging you. And if they are judging you, It probably is not even really to do with you. It's much more of a them thing. Like I read recently, someone's response is not your responsibility. And I think that is so important. It's not like you can go around saying stuff that's just going to hurt people or live in a way that is just going to hurt people. But ultimately, if someone wants to judge you for living your life in a way that feels authentic to you and makes you happy, that's on them. That's not your responsibility. But you've got to do like how do I put it it's almost like you're the only one feeling what you're feeling so don't make it harder 
for yourself. Don't live like a half life because you're worried other people are going to judge you because they don't care in the best possible way. Yeah, I feel like we had a really similar conversation when we were chatting about, I can't remember which episode, but it was careers, like about either quitting your job yeah. or knowing when it's time to move on. And like we were saying then, obviously we appreciate just quitting your job isn't isn't an option and we're not advising doing that at all. But only you can make the assessment of, okay, am I having more bad days than good because obviously not everyone loves their job every single day no. but that's not possible but if you find yourself more unhappy in your job than you are happy and you feel like it's not right for you and it's not fulfilling you only you can make that decision to start applying for other jobs to start looking at other opportunities or chat to your manager about other opportunities within the business whatever it might be that fits you I feel like especially with work because it does take up such a huge proportion of our mm. lives like if you are consistently unhappy at work that is having a massive impact on your mental well-being and how you feel day to day but there's not a lot that anyone else can do there for you you need to take that action and like you were yeah. saying if someone judges you for leaving a job or moving into a different industry or retraining or going back to study, whatever it might be. Again, that's, that's on them. Not only is that on them, but like if you've done it and you've not thrown anyone under the bus or you've not hurt anyone or you've not, you know, done anything, you've not done anything that has negative consequences for other people. Because I think sometimes, particularly when we talk about women and happiness, happiness is perceived as being quite selfish and self-indulgent and it doesn't need to be. And it isn't really um I think so long as you've kind of gone about prioritizing your happiness in a way that doesn't actively harm others that's the most important thing like it is on you to make those changes and go for it and even if someone does turn around and judge you or maybe talk about it with other people or whatever it is you're not going to be the center of their universe for very long and that is totally freeing to realize like how many times have any of us seen someone living their best life literally and think, oh, I don't know, you have a bit of a bitchy thought maybe like, oh, like why are they getting to do that and I'm not? Or anything, anything along those lines, like, oh, their life's so easy. You don't think about it every second of every day. And if you do, you should like, that's like not good in itself. You probably need to address that. But most people don't think about it for any extended period period of time other than the amount of time that that photo is in front of them or that conversation is being had or whatever that's like a massive part of perception though isn't it especially when it mm -hmm. is online and maybe that's why we feel like we'll be more judged for make making those decisions that might make us happier because we think oh how will other people perceive this because we know that we sit there and we make those judgments about that tiny little snapshot that yeah. we see of other people's lives like subconsciously we know that that's what happens but you're right like how quickly does that thought just pass through your head and at the end of the day if then yeah if they're not impacting your life or you're not impacting anyone else's what why does it matter what what decision you make if it's something that you feel is right for you it's hard and uncomfortable often to prioritize your happiness over someone else's especially as we're kind of told particularly as women but um within other marginalized communities as well that you have to prioritize other people that like your happiness comes lower on the pecking order and that isn't true but 
it's really hard to overcome those thought processes because they're so ingrained within us. And then on top of that, you've got to suddenly prioritize your happiness all the time. Like that, that is really difficult. But I think if you start by making those smaller, those smaller day-to-day steps of like, oh, actually, do you know what? Going to bed early does make me happier or having ex or wife dinner will make me happier today or whatever it is. And spending the time reflecting on when it is that you feel happiness, what are you doing when you feel really happy? What are, who are you with? Um, what environment are you in? All of those things will help you to build a better idea of what happiness is for you and therefore how you go after it and prioritize it more in your life. Yeah, I think it's that more like big picture mentality because mm. obvi- obviously mm. you cannot be happy all the time, every single day. Like it's no. just it's not realistic but that doesn't mean you can't still prioritize your happiness in in the bigger picture whether it is small day-to-day things or whether it is changing the trajectory of your career or making bigger life decisions Mm. I think like at the end of the day you've only got one life as like again as cliche as it sounds but if you spend the whole time not really paying attention to what does actually make you happy how are you going to how are you going to feel when you look back on your life and the decisions that you made? Like, yeah, will you, will you regret that? Is there something like, I just think it's a, it's a good practice to just take stock every now and then of what you're doing, like just pause and actually think, does this, whatever it is, this job, this hobby, this way that I'm living, does it align with my happiness? Yeah, completely. And I don't think it has, I mean, it might be, but it doesn't have to be an overhaul of your entire life overnight and you have to throw everything you know out the window and go and like, like live an entirely different life. It can be so much more incremental than that. And at the end of the day, when we've kind of got our last days, no one's going to turn around to us and be like, here's your medal for always putting other people's happiness first and never prioritizing your own happiness. Like, Yes, of course, it is good to prioritize other people. And of course, it is kind and loving to think about other people's happiness, especially when it's like your family or like your children or anything like that. Of of course, Um, we're not saying that it isn't, but especially on the day to day, on the little things, no, you're never going to get a reward or a thank you for never prioritizing your own happiness. And Mm. you're the one who experiences your happiness happiness so you've got to even even if you can't fully prioritize it if you have other commitments there's ways to bring it in that I think it makes life better doesn't it at the end of the day if we're not happy and we're not pursuing happiness especially happiness that doesn't harm anyone else then what's the point Mm. yeah yeah absolutely I agree it goes back to that fulfillment and what is it that you enjoy in life like we're saying it could be a small Mm. day-to-day thing but if you never have anything in your day-to-day that you where you put yourself first yeah how are you going to feel in 50 years time when you reflect on that yeah and there are totally ways to prioritize your happiness but also are considerate and kind and loving like you think of so many people who work in the NHS or work in care or who whose entire career is around making other people safe and secure and healthy and happy you can still balance that with happiness in yourself it doesn't have to be one or the other 
And it goes Mm. back to what we were saying earlier. Happiness is more than just like the I am happy emotion. There's so much more within it than that. But you can balance the two, but you have to keep yourself in check a bit and um, do that work to work out whether it is something that isn't truly making you happy or not. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as always, we would love to hear your thoughts. You can get in contact with us on the details, which are down in the show notes or via our Instagram page. We will be back next week with an episode all about asking for help and how to ask for help and the importance of doing so. So if you have any thoughts or questions, please get in touch with us on those details or on our Instagram page. And we will share them anonymously, of course, at the end of the episode. We hope you have a brilliant week. Stay safe, stay happy, and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.